Hey, welcome to Beyond the Boob, everybody. This is the Milk Minutes uh, new podcast about Heather's third pregnancy with me, Maureen, as her midwife. Our love child, if you will. <laughs> um, can I up top, like, just give a shout out to my cousin Caroline, who became a patron recently and who is pregnant with her own first baby. And I'm just like super excited to be sharing this podcast with her. Yeah, it's great. Congrats, Caroline. Yeah, congrats, Caroline. I'm glad we're pregnant at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm enjoying all the pregnancy buddies. I've had a lot of outreach of people being like, I love being the same pregnant as you because I feel like I'm going through it with you. And, you know, when I got pregnant with Theo, none of my friends were having babies. So I'm glad to be your pregnancy buddy. (laughs) Yeah, it's super fun. Um, I really really like that I think this podcast is reaching the right people. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that, you know, as we progress past your pregnancy and into your new babyhood, <laughs> that we can continue reaching people at the point in their pregnancy that they really need this kind of help. Yeah. And it hopefully it just lives on the internet forever. So people can be like, oh, I'm 26 weeks. I'll just go to 26 weeks and see what's going on. Um, when you picture things existing like in the cloud or whatever, do you still picture like hacker sequences from movies in like 1994? Because that's what I picture. Yeah. And all the lettering <laughs> is green with a black background. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Sandra Bullock is there 100%. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> that's where this podcast will live forevermore, everybody. <laughs> Sandra Bullock, if you ever want to play me, I mean, you're more than welcome. I think that would be a good fit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, um, it's week 26, everybody. Stuff is really real. (laughs) It is really real. There's like a whole human in there. And I mostly feel this baby down low. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel, I mean, maybe like once a week or twice a week, I'll get a sharp kick up top or a punch or whatever it is. But for the most part, it just feels like someone's down there making kitty bread on my pelvic floor. Just like. Mm, that it's weird (laughs) that sounds horrible (laughs) it's weird I mean it's definitely you know I'm watching tv and it's just like someone's tickling my bladder from the inside with their little fingers or toes yeah so but it's just I'm getting more constant reminders that there's somebody in there (laughs) and you know the kids now that my belly's a lot bigger the kids are talking to the belly a lot and I got a video of Heidi talking to the baby the other day and I don't know and Heidi will ask a question of the belly and then say what they say (laughs) as if I know (laughs) yes you have a direct telephone line (laughs) she thinks I do from your baby to you yeah that's what the umbilical cord is mom Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely (laughs) oh that's super cute I love it so I I finally made time to meet with a nutritionist and you know I have a pretty good baseline understanding of nutrition. So we, she was like, what do you want out of this? And I was like, oh, good question. What I want is to just tell you what I'm currently doing. And you can kind of point out some of the ways in which I can tweak this to make it a little bit better. And also, I really just want someone to kind of hold my hand nutritionally through the mm-hmm. next phases because I know it's going to change. And historically, when I'm breastfeeding, I 
gain weight and I'm hungry a lot. And I just want to make sure that I'm setting myself up for good habits and also like alert me to when it's getting a little crazy. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I just want someone to hold my hand. That's basically it. And I think there, there are a lot of ways to have good nutrition. And so it can be really nice to have much more specific recommendations, right? You know, there are a hundred different diets that could be extremely healthy, but not all of them would leave you feeling great at the end of the day, specifically you, you know? And so it is really nice to have some professional feedback when you're like, okay, yes, I'm eating all these vegetables and I'm eating this much protein and I'm just not feeling great to have someone say, hey, you know what, like with you and your level of exercise, your amount of pregnancy, what if you tried this much protein and this many carbs and see how that works? Yeah. And because I am still lifting weights and she's, so this is a nutritionist who's based out of a gym. Like Mm -hmm. she's building muscle. She is a muscly 52 year old woman who is, (laughs) I mean, it's hard to build muscle as a woman in general, but as we get older. Especially after menopause. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, she's very, very, knowledgeable about how muscle works and energy is being used in the body. She's also had kids, so she knows what it's like to to kind of go through this. So because I'm still working out and I still want to keep my muscle up, really, we're shooting for like 100 grams of protein a day. And she really thinks that the best way to like easily think about that is to do 30 grams of protein per meal. I like um, that. And then just she because I guess muscle synthesis doesn't even start until you hit that 30 gram threshold. Like your body, if you just trickle the protein in throughout the day, your body's like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'll maintain. But if you're trying to like build muscle on top of muscle, you have to hit the protein threshold. And then your body's like, oh, we have so much extra protein. Let's build more muscle. And, you know, I'm building a whole human. So I'm building someone else's muscles. And so it (laughs) makes sense to me to try to do that. Breakfast is the hardest. So I talk to her a lot about breakfast and I don't, I can't do eggs really because I have an egg white intolerance and it gives me the stinkiest dead animal farts of all time. So I'm trying to do some like turkey sausage and zucchini and Greek yogurt, which has a lot of protein. I've been putting cashews in my yogurt or my oatmeal. Oh, good idea. And really eggs only have like five or six grams of protein each. So they're like not not a really high protein meal anyway. But they're easy. And they the, are. And it's the type of protein that our body can use more easily. Yeah, so for sure. unfortunately for me, that's not an option currently. But anywho, so that's what I'm currently working on. And I will keep you posted on that. But I've also been doing my finger sticks for the past four days. Oh, nice. Good job. So (laughs) thank you. So my I'm not getting four a day, but I'm okay doing my best. We'll we'll put it all together at the end. If I feel like we don't have enough information, we can absolutely just do a much more standardized glucose test. You know, it's not like it's not an option. It's an option anytime. Well, it's looking really good so far. So all of my fastings have either been 80 or 82. Wonderful. And my post breakfast today was 
82. Okay. <laughs> the highest it's been was 120, and that was after mm-hmm. dinner one night. Yeah, and based on, you know, conversations we had had, I was suspecting that your postprandials, like after a meal, would be more on the hypoglycemic side, mm-hmm. which is definitely good information for us to have because it can help you with symptom management there. Yeah. And I've started to notice, like, if it's below 82, I feel bad. So, like, when it's 80, I'm, like, shaky and I don't feel good. And so I'm also starting to notice after meeting with the nutritionist, when I'm craving carbs, it's because my sugar's low and I need quick energy. And my brain is like, I know how to get quick energy, carbs. Mm -hmm. So Uh, Yeah. Our brains love sugar because we can process it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to start. I had Cash go to the grocery store today mm-hmm. and get me some organic mozzarella sticks. And, Yay. you know, we'll do more trail mix. I've been doing lots of apples and peanut butter, things like that. Just trying to keep it a little bit more stable. Yeah. And and I'll just let you know how it goes. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll kind of touch base about that whenever you're done with your information gathering um, and kind of see where we want to go from there. But good job following through. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't have to remind you a whole bunch of times. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. And if you all want to do this just to have info, I mean, not to replace a glucose tolerance test mm-hmm. if you don't want to do that or your provider's not comfortable with it, but it costs, I, I think it cost me like 30 bucks to get yeah. the glucometer and enough stuff for two weeks at CVS. And yeah, it's it's, it's very accessible because type 2 diabetes is so prevalent, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like the most accessible monitoring device for that. So I, I definitely think it's really interesting information to have, especially if you feel like your energy levels are very inconsistent and you have an interest in changing your diet. Yeah. And just in general, like the fatigue has been getting me. And there are some days where I'm like two naps. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. And that's I mean, I do run myself kind of ragged during the week. So the weekends I tend to crash a little bit, but I don't like to crash and I just don't really have time to crash. So if there's a way that I can kind of see what my body's doing and give it the fuel that it needs, I'm going to do that. Yeah. and, And I think it's, you know, most of you out there listening to this obviously have an interest in your own health and well-being because you're putting time into listening to a pregnancy podcast. And of course, you are not going to have the ability to manage that perfectly every day. But having a greater understanding of what's affecting that can help you improve your health with expending less energy. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't have to try as many things to make yourself feel better if you know what's making you feel bad. Right. Exactly. And by the way, I even went to a bridal shower yesterday and I ate like basically only carbs. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was and cheese, carbs and cheese and fruit and like all all the bridal shower things. (laughs) And my sugar was like 92. Okay. An hour after it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we have a lot of room probably then where we can tweak things to make you feel a little bit better. Yeah. Sweet. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Me too. Other thing I wanted to talk about really quick, did have a slight mental breakdown. Okay. um, After receiving some bad news (laughs) about someone I know whose baby Uh, did not make it. Um, And I... I cried for the first time in like six months. Good. And my husband, who never sees me cry, was like, 
obviously concerned. <laughs> and <laughs> he came over and his advice was, you got yourself in a bad headspace. You just got to get in a better headspace about all this. And I was like, um, wrong. Thanks. I Thanks was like, that. let me explain something. And so I'm glad this happened because yeah. he needs my biggest issue with prepping for this birth. I kind of identified through this experience is that I don't think that we have that intimacy level right now mm. or ever where I'm allowed to be vulnerable. Ah, uh, that's tough. Where I don't, f I am, but I don't feel mm -hmm. like I'm allowed to be vulnerable because I yeah. don't do it often enough. And when it happens, he's like, oh, fix it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's then a combination of your apprehension and comfort level when you're exhibiting that and the way that he's responding, regardless of what he's thinking inside, <laughs> mm -hmm. is then, you know, supporting your base belief that you're not allowed to be vulnerable. Right. And so I explained to him, I was like, listen, I know I don't cry that often, but crying is actually a good thing. And this is a very appropriate time to cry. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I was going to say. Like, yes, it's good you cried because that is a normal reaction to a death, you know, and especially even if you don't know someone, it's, it's okay to be crying about that, particularly when we're talking about like perinatal loss when you are pregnant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I know all the things mm -hmm. on all the levels, but this one hit me right in the feels. And my, it's not that that part of my brain shut off. Like I still can objectively understand why everything happened, but I was just sad and I just needed yeah. to feel it. And, you know, there is a level of fear as you're preparing for birth and I, and my husband did apologize. He was like, that's not what I meant. And I was like, but that's what you said. Yeah. And I was like, listen, I going through labor is like going through an emotional roller coaster. And I need to be able to feel the feelings in real time. And I need you to just be there and not try to fix them. You know, like you got to stand there in the fire with me and be like, it's cool. Yeah. And I think having that conversation where you were like, okay, in your mind, <laughs> the thing you were doing was comforting. However, the way I interpreted it when I was in distress was not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a good time to say, hey, you know what, actually, like, for me, physical touch is most comforting, you know, and it's like, it feels silly to say this when you've been married to someone for like, how many years, but we always are changing. And we always have more to learn about our partners, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're changing too. So <laughs> you can just be like, hey, actually, yeah, I don't cry a lot. When I do cry, can you just come give me a hug and say nothing? Yeah. Or or whatever works best for you. Well, I think he's scared of me. Like he doesn't really go deep with his own emotions. So whenever I'm experiencing something like on that level, he just kind of stares at me like I'm a zoo animal. And, and like a he's lot afraid of people of have that reaction. Yeah. So, I mean, then that's a reaction we have when we weren't allowed to do that as kids. Yeah. And, and it's upsetting because when you are upset and someone looks at you like you're scary, I mean, that's horrible. That's <laughs> it just horrible. It makes it so much worse. Yeah. Like you are allowed to feel bad for me. You're allowed to touch me. You're like, what? and then on the other hand, I'm like, God, you must think I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like I just got this, you know, I got all right. of this and I just want to be allowed to melt down 
a couple times a year. <laughs> and and you're going to have a couple more meltdowns before this baby comes. Yeah, uh, for, sure. <laughs> for sure. And if I don't, my labor is going to be a crying mess. I know it. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I definitely, if people don't in like their last prenatal before the birth with me say like, I just cried all week or like yesterday was terrible and I cried all day. I don't know why. If that doesn't happen, I'm like, okay. We are probably going to cry in labor like a lot. That's okay. Defcon I'm, crying. I'm here for it. <laughs> but no problem. I mean, we really do just have so – the psyche is a, is a big part of pregnancy and birth, you know, and it's a hard part to analyze. However, I firmly believe that we do need to release some of those emotions. And, you know, this is the more the spiritual side of midwifery too, where we talk a lot about the pelvis being the seat of trauma for many women. And that opening the pelvis releases a lot of things that we had pushed way, way, way down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I try to warn people. I try to have a conversation at some point saying, hey, you know, I noticed on your chart you had mentioned a history of sexual assault. Like, first of all, we can talk about it if you want to. But second of all, like, I really encourage you to think about reprocessing that a little bit before your birth or, you know, whatever the trauma is. It doesn't have to be that. And just considering that your experience of birth may bring back some of that trauma. I mean, I a, a colleague of mine once had a um, a patient who I think had been, I think she had been shot in the leg when in her childhood, and it was like not for whatever reason that traumatic for her as an adult. She really hadn't thought about it all that much, but she had a very hard time in labor and on problem reflection, she was like, actually, I was feeling that gunshot wound, not my labor. Oh, my. Because her brain was like, ooh, that's the most traumatic thing that's happened to us. And it feels kind of like this. So let's just have it be that. Because <laughs> pain exists in your brain, right? So how we process the physical feelings of birth, are it's going to be different for all of us. Right. And I did take your advice and I started reading Spiritual Midwifery. Mm -hmm. again because I haven't in nice. 15 years and so <laughs> I'm like a third of the way through it and yeah. in every story the partner is smooching the, the, the <laughs> I know aren't some of those birth stories really great they're great like and then I started smooching my husband and my rushes came on real <laughs> strong and we were having the best time and it was super psychedelic. And I'm like, my no, husband needs to get on that level where like, he, I honest to God feel like uh, if you've ever seen Austin Powers where he's yes. like got the stick and he's trying to like poke that guy in the mole and he's going, mole. I feel like that's my husband when I'm oh, upset God. in any way. So I think that he just needs to like learn how to get closer to me when work, I'm feeling work like on that. Some smooching. So I'm going to make him read some of these and be like, kiss me when I'm feeling sad, yeah. you know, and maybe and, it'll yeah. help us. <laughs> no, Ivan and I read those out loud and some of them are just so ridiculous. You're like, what is happening? Yeah. But it is somebody else's birth story and birth is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's wild. It's unpredictable. Um, and also these were all hippies on a farm in the eighties or whatever. So, <laughs> um, but it's great to think about that, like, oh, I actually intimacy with my partner might be helpful or to think about that beforehand and be like, absolutely not. That's not helpful for me. Good information to have before your labor starts. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it was Stephanie King in the interview we did with her where she said, if the first time that your husband ever touches your hips 
is in labor to provide counter pressure, mm-hmm. it's not going to feel good. Yeah. You're like, we need to be doing this in pregnancy, preparing for it mentally so it can feel good in labor. Yeah. And we honestly have a lot of opportunity to train our bodies to respond to pain in pregnancy because most people are feeling low levels of pain and discomfort or higher ones, right? Every day in pregnancy. And so you can absolutely train your brain to respond and be like, oh, I'm feeling pain. Time to relax. (laughs) Time to relax my butt. (laughs) Time to relax my shoulders. Relax my face. Think this positive thing. And you can work with your partner on their training and how to respond and like, oh man, my back hurts. Like, can you do this kind of massage? Can you do this hip squeeze, you know, and just see how that all feels for you. It's going to be awkward at first because you probably haven't done it before, but the more you do it, the more comforting it's going to feel. Yep. I agree. I do have questions though about a lot of those birth stories where it's like, (laughs) and then me and my husband, James really rubbed each other out good. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) you're like, did you mean what I think you mean or is slang not the same anymore? I was like, why is everyone rubbing each other out? Is that – are we – okay. You'll have to call Ina May and ask her. Ina May, what are we rubbing? What do I need to um, rub? However, there is the whole orgasmic birth movement. You know, I don't know if you've read much into oh, that. Oh, yes. I was planning it with Theo. I was going to have an orgasmic this, birth. This could be your orgasmic birth this time. I, I can't would be wait to have an orgasm in front of you. That would just be the highlight of my life. Well, um, on that note, Heather, would you like to talk a little bit about what's happening with your baby this week? Please. Anything to change the subject. Okay, so week 26, big immune system developments this week. Um, So baby is getting ready to live on the outside by, you know, incorporating a lot of your antibodies. Baby's also starting to open their eyes. Crazy. And um, look around your womb. (laughs) So actually, that means they're gonna, in the next few weeks, like be more responsive to light sometimes, which is really cool. Um, I've had patients like use a flashlight and kind of like play on their tummy with baby, which is neat. It's like, you know, if you shine a flashlight through your hand in the dark and it looks red, Mm -hmm. like it probably looks like that to your baby. So it's kind of neat. And yeah, I I mean, your, your baby's literally just sitting in there like open eyeballs, eyelashes, just like blinking around. That's so (laughs) interesting. It is. Um, And they're pretty big now. Like we're definitely around two pounds, like 14, I don't know, 15 inches, something like that. Yeah, it's wild. My belly's really big, but I don't feel like the baby's really big. (laughs) Well, I mean – You've you've seen 26-week preemies. They are still small as far as we think of for like babies, right? However, that's a human. That's like a whole human in there now. It is. But I'm saying it's like I can tell there's a lot of fluid, a lot of placenta. Yeah. There's just a lot going on in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, We still have a giant bag of water. Your baby's just like rolling around in. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they I'm, still have room. <laughs> I'm still getting like a lot of pressure, almost like it feels like the baby's balling up in there, mm. you know, like a little Braxton Hicksy, but very low in the pelvis. Yeah. And a lot of people do start feeling Braxton Hicks contractions around now, especially if you've had babies before. So you're like familiar with what that feels like. And we do just see them earlier when you've had other children. Yeah. It's not and, painful, but... 
No, they shouldn't be painful. I can't say they always aren't because some people do say they're uncomfortable. Um, But it is just a tightening of your uterus. It is unconscious. It's not a controlled movement. And it's essentially, it's your uterus is a muscle. So the theory is that these are toning the muscle so that it can do work later. I like that theory. I don't want to bleed out, so... <laughs> I like that theory too. Um, it's it's pretty interesting to think about, though. You know, it's it's toning, it's moving in the way that like your heart does, where you're not like, mm, I'm going to flex that muscle now. It's a smooth <laughs> muscle. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's the only muscle in the human body that gets stronger as it gets stretched out. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And we're really packing on those oxytocin receptors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really yeah. starts after like what thirty weeks. Yeah. Sometime, sometime around now, but yeah, really like 30, 32 weeks, like people start to really feel those stronger Braxton Hicks contractions. That's because we literally just have more oxytocin receptors on that muscle, Mm -hmm. which trigger it to contract. Like when you're having sexy time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Orgasms absolutely do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want to have one. Right right back to orgasms, (laughs) Anyway, maybe I need to go. <laughs> go rub one out. <laughs> I'm going to rub each other real good. <laughs> I mean, this might be a good time for everybody to invest in some new toys or at least some new batteries. I don't know. <laughs> Your voice got real squeaky. New toys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. Yes. Well, um, yeah, we'll expect a report back on that next week, Heather. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> no, truly, though, I do encourage you to take care of your body in that way at this point, even if you just – it doesn't feel the same. It's not going to. But if that's something that you usually feel really good about and good after, go ahead and do it. Okay. Thanks. Maybe I will. If I remember to do it, I'm already checking my sugar. Don't put it on your checklist. Just as you know, if you want to. I'm like, all right, time to rub one out. (laughs) Just a little check next to it. What does that one mean? Then I'll check my blood sugar and my blood sugar will be perfect. And I'll be like, that's the answer. Anyway, um, yeah, I hope everybody else out there is having a great pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we're going to leave you to it, whatever that is. And um, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Boob for week 26. And I hope if you are 26 weeks pregnant, you are um, having a good time out there. Absolutely. And don't forget, if you are not already a member, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash milkminutepodcast um, to get these episodes included in your subscription. Yep. And always, you can subscribe on Apple. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.